All right, good morning. Good to see you. Happy Independence Day weekend. We'll go ahead and pray and we'll dismiss our younger people. Let's pray, please. Father, we thank you, Lord, this morning uh, for the privilege to be here today. Lord, thank you this morning for our salvation. Thank you for a Savior who loved us enough to die on the cross for each and every one of us. Lord, thank you for this church, uh, our church, your church, uh, in which you've placed us. I pray, Lord, that you'll work here today for your honor and for your glory. I pray that you work in this Sunday school hour in both classes in the 11 o'clock hour in our fellowship time today and our 2 o'clock hour. Lord, we love you this morning. We thank you and ask that you'll work here now for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Class of younger persons, you are dismissed. The rest of us, uh, let's turn this morning, please, to uh, Revelation uh, chapter 2. Well, before you do that, go to Revelation chapter 1, please. Uh, Revelation chapter 1, and uh, let's see here again uh, verse uh, 19. Uh, so recall, please, that verse 19 uh, appears, Mike, to be sort of an inspired uh, outline of the entire book. Uh, here in verse 19, recall the Lord says to John, uh, write the things uh, which thou hast seen. He says, and the things which are, so the things which would have been uh, in John's day, and the Lord continues, the things which shall be uh, hereafter. And I believe we've seen the first part of that outline already, the things which uh, thou hast seen, first part of the outline, uh, you recall last week we, we had the, the privilege to see John's privilege, uh, uh, his, um, his privilege, that's my word, I guess, uh, to see the resurrected, glorified Lord Jesus Christ, to, see, uh, to, to be able to see Christ in his glorified state. Rich privilege is a good word. Uh, of course, we'll have that privilege also, but uh, John had that privilege. He described Christ. Uh, you look down uh, back at verse 14, his head and his hairs were white like snow, like wool, forgive me, white as snow, uh, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, his feet like unto fine brass, uh, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice uh, as the sound of many waters. Uh, verse 16, he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. Well, that's describing what? The, the words of God, right? There, there is a sharp two-edged sword, uh, and his countenance was as the sun uh, shineth in his strength. And uh, that's, that's quite a, a description that, that John gives. And we talked a little bit about the first part of that last week, his, his hairs being white. Uh, Mike, no, no doubt this is picturing his purity, the absolute sinlessness uh, of Christ uh, and uh, his... Uh, his eyes being a, as a flame of fire uh, could have a, a, a number of different ideas, Brother Ray, but uh, I, I think one of them, at least, or a, a key idea would be that, that he's a judge. Uh, he, he's a judge who will, who will try as by fire. Feet like unto brass perhaps pictures uh, strength. Uh, of course, all of these things are, are true regarding Christ, and uh, no doubt much more could be said. He had in his right hand seven stars. Now, we know that he's going to give a message to seven churches. Uh, and so th these would seem to be the churches. 
Uh, John will, review, will refer to the angels of the churches, which we understand to be pastors. We'll see that uh, here uh, in a moment. John's response in verse 17, when I saw him, uh, I fell at his feet as dead. Why do you suppose, Rich? Uh, why do you suppose John fell at his feet as dead? Don't you, don't you think? Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Here, here's the glorified Lord Jesus Christ, and, and he's just John, right? Uh, of course, he's, he's made in the image of God and, and used greatly by the Lord, uh, but he's not the Lord. <laughs> just to, uh, it would be overwhelming to come into the presence of the resurrected, glorified Lord, Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, it would be overwhelming. This may be a picture of his humility also. Uh, Brother Ray, I don't, I don't know for sure what I'm going to do when I come into the presence of the resurrected, glorified Lord Jesus Christ, but, but maybe this is a preview. Maybe this is a preview. Uh, John says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he, uh, he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, fear not uh, the mercy and grace of our Savior. I am the first and the last, uh, the et eternal one. I am he that liveth uh, and was dead. Mikey was dead. He really did die for us. He was buried, and he rose again the third day. Uh, being alive, uh, he continues to be alive. I am alive forevermore, uh, he says. He will not die again. Uh, he is risen, praise God. Uh, he will continue uh, to be alive. He says, amen, uh, uh, truth or so let it be. He has the keys of, of, of heaven and hell. Uh, it's very interesting. Of course, Rich, I understand that anyone that would repent of sin and place their faith in Christ has the, uh, the privilege, there's that word again, to have the righteousness of Christ imputed or paid on to uh, our account uh, to be made righteous uh, thereby uh, in the eyes of, of, of God the Father. And so this, this verse no doubt refers, or that phrase uh, no doubt refers to salvation um, relating to Christ and, and faith in him. Uh, now, in verse 19, the Lord gives uh, John a command. He says, write the things uh, which thou hast seen. And so, what again, what has he seen? Well, so far he's seen the Lord Jesus Christ uh, in his glorified state, and he has, uh, in fact, recorded that. So, uh, John, John records the command. He, he records uh, what he has seen. Uh, he has been obedient uh, to do so. He's about to begin writing the things which are. And of course, uh, this would be the Lord's messages to the seven churches uh, in John's day. So there are seven literal churches uh, in John's day. We talked about there's a theory that maybe they were uh, periods of time or periods of history. I, I don't see any reason uh, to interpret it that day. We know that these were seven cities uh, where, where there were churches uh, in John's day, and the language allows us to understand them. Brother A is literal churches, and really nothing else uh, makes uh, a lot of sense in, in this context and, and given the language uh, that we see. So John will write the Lord's messages to those churches uh, we'll see the first one this morning in chapter 2, the first 11 verses of chapter 2 be the Lord's message uh, to Ephesus. And then, of course, following the messages to the seven churches, the things which shall be hereafter. And that, of course, is the larger portion of the book. I don't know, we're just reviewing right now. 
uh, which deals with the future uh, prophecies, prophecies of the future uh, uh, tribulation period uh, and the millennium to follow, new heaven and new earth to follow that. Verse 20, the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand uh, and the seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. Uh, what does the word angel mean? Uh, what does the word angel mean? What does it mean? Messenger, right? The underlying word is angelos. Uh, it has the literal idea of messenger. Uh, it's translated angel or messenger. Um, we know, Mike, that angels have been used by the Lord as messengers uh, at various times in Scripture. And so that word can be used um, either way. Uh, it's used, we pointed this out, it's used earlier in chapter 1, uh, I believe, as a reference to the Holy Spirit, uh, who was a messenger, in a sense at least, to John, uh, giving John the words of God. Uh, from the, remember that we saw in the first part of chapter 1, they're given by the Father to the Son, uh, and then to John by the inspiration process that's superintended by the Holy Spirit. I believe it's pretty clear John refers to the Holy Spirit as uh, an angel or a messenger. And here, uh, the word is almost certainly being used the same way, uh, the messengers of God being the pastors of those candlesticks uh, or those churches, I, I believe would be the best way to understand this. In any event, he says the seven stars are the angels or pastors of the seven churches, uh, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are uh, the seven churches. Rich, I think if, if those angels were um, literal angels as opposed to pastors, God's messengers, uh, this, this would be a place in Scripture would be kind of unique where the Lord is giving a message to angels in the churches. That really doesn't fit the, the normal order of things. Uh, and so, again, I think we, we understand these are churches. The Lord says that very plainly. Uh, with the angels being the pastors uh, of the churches. And so uh, we've seen uh, John write what he has seen, what is, uh, what he has seen, and we're about to see the first portion uh, of what is, verse 19, and this will be the messages uh, to the seven churches. Now here in chapter 2, uh, we see the first four messages. Good morning, brother. Uh, the first four messages to the first four churches Really, this morning, just want to look at the first one, uh, the first one, uh, and so let's let's jump right in there, uh, Revelation chapter two, uh, beginning uh, in verse one. Uh, the Lord says uh, to John, uh, unto the angel or pastor of the church of Ephesus. By the way, do you remember uh, where Ephesus would be? Uh, where, where, where was it? Where is it? Uh, what country would it be in today? Uh, Turkey. Uh, yeah, Turkey. These, these churches would be uh, in, in the general region of modern-day Turkey uh, today. You're, you're maybe thinking of, of Corinth. Uh, Corinth. Uh, but the, these churches are, um, they're called Asia. In, in, the region's called Asia in Scripture, but this would be what, what we would understand to be uh, Turkey uh, today. Uh, unto the angel or pastor of the church, the assembly, the church of Ephesus, uh, write. So the Lord Jesus commands to John, hey, here's my message to this church. He says, these things saith he that holdeth the seven stars 
uh, in his right hand. Uh, the Lord is, is, is pictured here as, as holding uh, the stars, the pastors, their churches, the, the people of the churches uh, in his hand. Uh, that, that's a picture of, of authority. It's a picture of strength, Brother Ray. Uh, in the Lord's strength and authority, I find comfort. I find it to be comforting uh, to know that the Lord has us in his hand. Of course, uh, the Lord used that earlier in, in the Gospels to picture the security of our salvation also. Uh, no, nothing can pull us from uh, his hand. Uh, he is called here the one who walketh uh, in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. He's already said that uh, the churches, uh, the candlesticks are the churches. Mike, we see in scripture that um, they, it's, a, it's an image that's being used to picture the churches, but it's also a status that the Lord conveys to his assemblies. Uh, to be a, a genuine New Testament church, uh, in, in good favor with the Lord is to be his candlestick. But we see, uh, we will see as we move through these messages, the idea, the principle that that status uh, can be lost if a church persists in sin uh, over a period of time, evidently, if a church refuses uh, to get right, to stay right, to be right with the Lord, their, uh, their candlestick status can be lost. Gary and I have talked a little bit about that. That's a scary proposition. Uh, to think that what was a legitimate church in God's eyes, Brother Ray, can be delegitimized. Uh, I think there's probably a lot of churches out there that have continued to function despite the fact that they have lost their legitimacy in, in God's eyes. They've lost that candlestick status due to their uh, faulty doctrine, their sin, uh, a variety of things that, that relate to these ideas. Uh, Lord, help us to be right with you. Uh, Lord, help us to be right with you that uh, we not lose our commission uh, from you. Uh, Christ is the one who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Uh, so uh, there's a lot there, um, Rich. Of course, the idea also is the, is the presence of Christ within his churches. Uh, where we are gathered, he is present. Uh, we know that he is omnipotent. We know that he is omnipresent. He is present everywhere, but there's a number of places in scripture where he talks about his presence being somehow special uh, as his people are gathered at, uh, in, in the church assembly. There is a special presence of God. I gotta go back to that word privilege again. That, that's a privilege to know, Brother Ray, that as we're assembled, the Lord is uh, present um, in a special way. Uh, we've, we've compared that in the past to the idea of the Lord's special presence in the, the tabernacle and the temple. I don't think it's exactly the same, certainly, uh, but there's, 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 a, there's a parallel uh, idea there, certainly. Uh, there, there's parallel idea. Uh, let's continue uh, in verse 2. I'm, I'm way off my notes, but that's okay. Uh, in verse 2, the Lord uh, gives his, or continues... Uh, his message to the church at Ephesus. By the way, uh, how else do we know the church at Ephesus? Uh, Brother Frank, how do we know the church at Ephesus? How else do we know of the church at Ephesus? I, yeah, Paul, Paul wrote an inspired letter to them, of course. So, uh, yeah, we know a lot about the church. We know uh, some of its struggles. We know how Paul... That worked with them and, 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 and dealt with them and, and, and helped them. 
have this wonderful inspired letter, which is the, the book or epistle uh, to Paul's, Paul's inspired letter to this same church. Uh, verse two, the Lord says to them, I know thy works. I know thy works. Now stop and think about that for a second. Um, the Lord is present in a special way. Uh, he is omniscient. Uh, so even if he wasn't present in a special way, he, he's omniscient. He knows um, all things. Stop and think about this. He has, he's telling that church that he has knowledge uh, of them. He has knowledge of their service. Brother, churches are made up of what? Who makes up churches? The, yeah, the people. So he, he's telling the members of, I mean, he's addressing the church corporately, but he's saying to that church, I know your works. I, I, I know the, the, the works of the church corporately. I, I know the service of the individual members of your church. The Lord knows. Um, I don't know about you, but, but I'm encouraged, especially if a bulk of your uh, service to the Lord is, is, is not out in the open, at least uh, much of it. Uh, if it's a little more hidden away, uh, don't forget the Lord sees uh, and he knows. He has intimate knowledge of, of our service. By the way, his intimate knowledge, Mike, of how churches are doing. When a church is struggling, he knows. When a church is doing really well, he knows. Uh, he says, I know thy works um, and thy labor. He knows our, our service. Uh, he says, and thy patience. Uh, he knows the patience of this church, uh, and he would seem to be commending them at this point. And you remember that the Lord's messages to these churches kind of take the same uh, form. He will commend them for that which is commendable uh, in the church, uh, and then he will raise an issue, with most of them at least, he'll, he'll raise an issue, uh, a concern, and, and he will give a warning uh, which pretty clearly is designed to compel them to respond to this message by getting right in that area. He's not there yet. He's, he's commending them. He knows their works. He knows their service. Uh, their service is commendable. Uh, he says, I know thy patience. Uh, their patience um, is commendable. In verse 3, he says that they have borne and hast patience. Uh, so, so twice... He acknowledges, he seems to be commending them uh, for uh, their patience. Uh, it has been suggested to me, Brother Gary, by more than one person that I, I struggle in that area. Pastor, you, you don't naturally have a lot of patience. Uh, and I say, well, that's true. Brother Ray, you know, that's true. <laughs> I, I naturally struggle in that area. But the Lord has an answer for that, doesn't he? Uh, he has an answer for that. It, it's, it's, the, it's the fruit of the Spirit, of course, the Holy Spirit who indwells us. Uh, and as we yield to the Spirit, He brings forth. He, he produces uh, and brings forth a patience, a long-suffering, a, a, an ability to endure difficulty with patience. Galatians 5.22, fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, uh, long-suffering, uh, the patient ability to endure uh, trials. They take all different forms, right? We can be a trial to each other sometimes if we're not being loving and patient and gentle uh, with each other, meek. Uh, of course, different trials 
uh, take different forms and, re and require a patient long-suffering. Uh, the Lord looks into this church. Uh, he's there. He's present in this church, and he sees uh, people who are serving. He commends them for that. That's good. He sees people who are exercising patience. Uh, that's good. Uh, and then he says, thirdly, how thou canst, it's in verse 2, how thou canst not bear uh, with them which are evil, and thou hast tried them uh, which say they are apostles and are not, uh, and has found them liars. Uh, and so there's, he seems to be commending them here for their willingness to do their part to maintain what? Uh, a pure church of, of genuine believers. Uh, Rich, what, has the, what process has the Lord given us to deal with problems in the church and to remove problems if, if they refuse to be corrected? Uh, it's the spirit, I'm sorry, what is it? It's the church discipline process, right? So uh, back in Matthew, the Lord gave us uh, that church discipline process, uh, multi-step process, which doesn't have as its ultimate goal putting people out of the church. Its goal is that people be uh, right uh, and, and restored uh, when there's been an offense, but uh, when they refuse to be right, uh, to get right, and to be restored to the church. Of course, we recall the final step of that uh, Matthew, uh, the church discipline process the Lord gives in Matthew uh, is that that person is put out of the assembly. Uh, and evidently, the Lord is referring to uh, the, the church at Ephesus and their faithfulness to carry out that process uh, that their church might uh, remain as pure as possible. Again, he says, how thou uh, canst not bear with them uh, which are evil, sinners. Uh, thou hast tried them. Evidently, they, they, these uh, false apostles who, who are liars uh, in, in the words of Christ uh, have been brought before the church. They've been examined by the church. Uh, they've, they've refused correction. Uh, evidently, they've been put out of the church. And so uh, the Lord commends them for that, for their faithfulness uh, to carry out that process. Gary, sometimes people will, will look upon churches that carry out church discipline faithfully and say, boy, you're awfully harsh. That doesn't seem to be very loving. Well, it, it certainly can appear to be harsh, but how unloving would it be to not discipline people for their correction, for uh, the correction of the offender? How loving would it be to the rest of the church uh, to not protect the rest of the church from those who uh, are, are doing harm, uh, either by refusing to be corrected or refusing to be uh, restored, uh, who are refusing to, uh, to put off wrong doctrine and to put on right doctrine. That wouldn't be loving at all for a church to uh, not address the, the individual offender uh, and, if needed, to protect the balance of the church from, from that individual. So um, the Lord says, yeah, you guys are, are doing this thing, which no, no doubt is hard, but you've been, uh, you've been faithful. He says, um, how, how thou cannot, can, canst, I'll get it out, not bear with them which are evil. Uh, yeah, they, they, they were faithful to put those who refused to be right out. Uh, and Mike, I think what, what Lord's really commending here is their commitment to maintaining 
the purest possible um, church uh, body assembly that they could. So uh, these things are all commendable. And so uh, I would offer to you this morning that uh, if, if the church of Ephesus could be commended by the Lord for these things, these things that we ought to be thinking about too. Uh, am I serving the Lord? Could he commend me for my works uh, and, and my labor? Do I have a place of service? Am I at that place uh, consistently? Am I, am I about the Lord's work regularly? Come and talk to the pastor if, if, if your heart is convicted. Well, no, not really. I don't really have a place. Not really sure how I should be serving. Uh, come and talk to me. Are we doing that patiently? Are we, uh, are, are we serving patiently? Are we exercising patience toward each other? Uh, if, if we're not, we can confess that even this morning and say, Lord, sure, uh, I'm guilty of not being patient. I know that's not commendable. Uh, I confess that. Help me to put off uh, impatience uh, and, and to put on a Holy Spirit-powered uh, patience that, that would please you uh, and, and would be commendable. And so, uh, yeah, th these are no doubt, um, it's a message for the church at Ephesus, but also uh, for our instruction as well. Look at verse 4. The Lord says, nevertheless... Okay, so that's one of those point of contrast words. It could say, but, uh, but it says, nevertheless, uh, okay. Uh, so imagine you're, you're in the church at Ephesus, Brother Ray, receiving this. It seems to be going pretty well so far, uh, but now the rest of the story, it's not quite as good uh, at all. The Lord says to them, uh, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. Uh, there is a problem in the church, uh, and it, it's offensive to me, uh, the, the Lord, your Lord, who is there in the midst of, of your church. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because, Mikey tells, he tells them the reason. He says, because uh, thou hast left thy first love. You've left your first love. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> Lord, what are you, what are you saying? Uh, you commend us for serving you, for being patient, for uh, keeping our church pure, evidently through church discipline. Um, you, um, you commended us for doing that uh, for your name. See that, we, we didn't see that yet, but we will. Um, but what does this mean? Uh, what, what exactly? Lord, you, you've said that we've left what? Uh, we, we've left, left our first love. Um, Gary, do you have thoughts on that? What, 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 what might the Lord be critiquing them for now? Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, I think you're right. They've, uh, they're, they're going through the motions of serving. Uh, they're doing that patiently. They're taking care to maintain purity in the church through church discipline. Uh, but there's uh, that the real heart commitment to the Lord doesn't seem to be there. They're doing the stuff, but it's, it, it probably, I think what the Lord is saying, it's, it's more out of habit. Uh, it's, it's more out of, there wouldn't be a real long tradition yet, but, but more out of habit, they're just going through the motions. I think what the Lord is really saying here is um, you're, you're, you're doing it out of, out of habit and maybe force, rather than a heartfelt love uh, for me. Remember, the Lord, taught, uh, the Lord taught us that to love him 
uh, is to obey him. But Brother Ray, I think that it's possible to obey him without genuinely loving him. Do you think? Do you think? I think that's what the Lord's saying. Uh, to love him is to obey him. But to obey him is not necessarily to love him. Uh, there's, there is a difference between just going through the motions or serving out of habit uh, versus serving with a genuine, heartfelt love uh, for the Lord. And we'll stop and ask you that this morning, does, does, that, does that feel right? Does that, does that ring true? Um, do we get up in the morning and say, boy, Lord, Lord I love you. Uh, help me to love you more and uh, help me, help me to, to serve you today out of, out of a heart that's filled with a loving grat. You know, do we, do we really do what we do for the Lord because we love him or do we just fall into a sort of a habit of routine? That's a convicting question. This is a convicting uh, message, uh, critique to this church. Rich, I believe it's in our Bible today because we're at risk uh, of the same, of, of going through the motions in kind of a rote manner uh, without really doing it from a, a heart that's filled with love for the Lord. Uh, you remember back in, in Matthew 22, uh, Jesus was asked, Master, which is the great commandment uh, in the law? Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with what? all thy heart and with all thy soul uh, and with all thy mind. Do what with all their heart, soul, and mind? Love him. Love him. Brother Ray, we're, we have to be commanded and, and, and reminded and commanded and, and reminded. The church of Ephesus had to be critiqued by Christ himself because uh, even though it was, you know, relatively young church. To, well, this is at the end of the first century. The church had been around for a number of decades now. Um, they had forgotten to serve, that their motivation for serving him is, should be a genuine love for him. Listen, um, if you find yourself convicted this morning, what, what can you do? Lord, I confess uh, I, I confess that I'm, I'm, I'm more going through the motions than being motivated by a, a genuine, true love for you. Uh, Lord, help me. Give, give, fill my heart with love and, and, and gratitude for you uh, that I might serve you uh, out of that heart. Um, well, look at, look at uh, verse 5, please. So the Lord has, has commended them. He, he's critiqued them. Uh, in, in verse 5, he's going to kind of frame out a path or give them a map back to uh, where he would have them to be. He, he, he gives them solution. Verse 5, he says, remember, uh, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. Think back uh, to when you really, truly, genuinely loved me, when your heart was filled with a genuine love for me. Remember that. Think, think back to that. Uh, I think he's, he's, he's asking them to do, commanding them to do precisely that. Think back to a time when you truly loved me, your heart was filled with a genuine gratitude, and compare that to where you are now. See the difference. See the difference. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, uh, and repent. What does that mean? Uh, turn. Uh, turn back to that place. Uh, think back to when you really, truly loved me, when your heart was filled with love for me, uh, and, and turn back to that. Go, go back to that place. Uh, do the first works. 
Uh, do the first works. Uh, get, get back to that place where, where uh, you used to serve me from, uh, with a motivation of, of genuine love. Get back to that place. Uh, this, is the, this is the prescription, if you will, uh, the solution. Remember, repent, return uh, to the first works. Uh, there's a warning here for them if they uh, would not do that. Look in the middle of verse 5. He says, or uh, else or else do here, here's my answer for you do that or else there's a consequence he says i will come unto thee quickly uh, read the rest of the, the the verse with me please out aloud and will remove thy candlestick out of his place except thou repent um they were brother ray they, they were serving the lord they were doing that patiently. They were taking care to do the difficult business of, of exercising church discipline and actually putting people out to maintain a pure church because that's what Christ commanded, that, that obedience to him required that. They were doing the things that they were supposed to be doing, but evidently not with the right heart. Does the Lord look upon the heart? Does he see our hearts? Evidently, he does. We, we know he does. Uh, he indwells us. He, he sees our hearts. He sees our motivations. Uh, he knows. This passage is a great proof text of that. He's present, and he sees what's happening within the church and what's happening in the hearts uh, of the members of the church. Uh, he says, uh, get back to where you were. Um, how am I going to do that? Well, you make a decision. You make a decision and you pray, Lord, help me get back to that place. Help me to turn off of this course and return uh, and, and do the first work. So where uh, I, I was newly saved, I was excited. I, I, Lord, I was in love with you and I just, I wanted to serve you out of that heart. Lord, uh, help me to get back to that place. And I hope this morning that's a, that's a good uh, encouragement and reminder. Um, I want to I wanna just continue here. Hopefully we get through uh, the balance of the message to the church here. Um, there's, a, there's a message here beginning in verse 2 regarding the Nicolaitans. Uh, Nicolaitans. Um, he says, but this thou hast, that thou hast learnest the deeds of, of the Nicol Nicolaitans. Nicolaitans. Uh, which also I hate. Mike, the, the Lord hates sin. Uh, don't forget that. He hates sin. It's okay to hate sin. Uh, we do well to cultivate uh, a hatred for sin also. Now, this is a little bit of a difficult passage because we don't necessarily know uh, who the, these people are or, or what this group is, but uh, we can look at the literal meaning of the word, this N-word, uh, it starts out with Nico, uh, which has the idea of lording over or conquering. Um, if you look at the second part of the word, you see L-A-I-T. Uh, if you put a Y in the end of that, that would be laity or, or the people. Uh, or, or the people. Normally that would be used in the context of the, the people of, of the church. So the literal meaning of this word would be uh, those who seek to lord over or even conquer in their lording over uh, 
the people. In my notes, I wrote this suggests that uh, these were a group that sought to dominate the people in an unbiblical fashion. Uh, the implication is they sought to rule as dictators uh, rather than to exercise biblical authority. Uh, there is a man in scripture, toward, a pastor, uh, toward the end of scripture. I don't know if you can think of, of the man. His name begins with D. Uh, in 3 John, verse 9, John, John indicates, uh, he writes, I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, remember Diotrephes? Uh, he's a pastor, uh, perhaps an unsaved pastor. He says, I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among the people, uh, receiveth us not. Uh, very prideful man who uh, evidently lorded over the church as a dictator rather than a shepherd, uh, which seemed to kind of fit the bill of, of, of this word. Um, there's evidently these who uh, are uh, attempting to lord over uh, to be dictators over the people. Uh, and Lord says, this is, this is not good. This is not my plan. He does not plan for pastors to be dictators. His plan is for pastors to be uh, shepherds. Verse 7, he says, let uh, he that hath an ear, uh, let him hear uh, what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Um, he that hath an ear, let him hear. This phrase occurs in each of the messages to the churches. Back in Matthew 11, Jesus used the same phrase. Uh, seems to be, uh, Lord is using it kind of like verily, verily. Hey, stop and really pay attention now. Uh, he that hath an ear to hear uh, what the Spirit saith unto the churches, to him that overcometh uh, will I give to eat of the tree of life, uh, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Uh, he that hath an ear, let him hear, pay attention, uh, what the Spirit, no, no doubt the Holy Spirit, saith unto the churches, to him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, uh, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Now, admittedly, that, that's a little bit difficult, and I, I can at least uh, introduce uh, some ideas that, that will help us here. Uh, that comes in the immediate context of uh, the, the Lord's use of, of this word Nicolaitans, Nicolaitans. Uh, so in that context, uh, who are they that overcome? Well, uh, evidently it'd be that they who overcome the, the Nicolaitans. Um, what would that mean? Well, perhaps it means to, to deal with them, uh, these unbiblical leaders or teachers in the church. Lord might be saying that, hey, uh, those who deal with, uh, who continue to exercise church discipline, uh, which is in the con fits the context of the message, uh, and, and deal with these, there'll be a blessing for you. Uh, there'll be a blessing for you. Others have said uh, maybe the idea here is that those who get saved, uh, despite the false teaching of these Nicolaitans, uh, there's a blessing in store for them. I think the context better fits um, the idea that if they'll deal with them, uh, there'll be a blessing for them. I will give to eat of the tree of life. Rich, that, that, there's a temptation, I think, to view that uh, as necessarily being a reference to getting saved, but it could also be used as a reference to the blessings that come 
uh, to the saved and in, in the context of the message uh, to those who are obedient, those who, who deal with uh, these issues um, in the church. He says, well, I give to eat um, of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise uh, of God. A picture of, brother, I think, blessings for salvation for sure, but uh, blessings for those saved, baptized church members who receive the Lord's words, who receive his instruction, uh, and for this church who would respond to the message uh, by dealing with the problems in the church. Um, listen, all churches have problems, uh, this side of heaven, uh, none is perfect. Uh, of course, that would include our church. Um, as you become aware of problems, pray about them, uh, do your part to be uh, part of the solution. If you need to come and talk to me about a concern, uh, I'll reiterate this morning, the door is always open. Come to me, talk to me. Uh, let's be a church that deals with problems rather than sweeping them under the rug. Uh, Brother Ray, it would seem that refusing to deal with problems can have very serious consequences for churches. We understand that this morning. Uh, let's not forget it. Let's not forget the Lord's message to this church regarding uh, returning to their first works, serving him from a heart filled with love rather than out of habit. We need to stop there. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, this morning uh, for this passage, for this message. There's much here, and we've probably covered some of it too quickly, but Lord, I do pray this morning that we really get a hold of this idea that we need to serve you with the motivation of love, with a heart filled with love for you. Father God, I understand this morning you loved us so much you sent your only begotten son to die in our place. That's a great love. Lord, you call us to love you with a love that's no less perfect. I know that we can't today, but I pray, Father, that you help us to love you the very best that we can by obeying you with a genuine, loving gratitude for all that you've done for us. Lord, give us hearts to love you, please. Father, I pray that you work here today, work here in the next hour, please. Pray that each one that you desire to be here today will, will be in place here shortly. Lord, that we just go forward this morning just exactly as you desire us to. Help us to keep our hearts humbled before you. Lord, work here today for your honor and glory, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we'll see you back shortly. Thanks for being here. Oh, yeah.